welcome to another episode of Millennials in Ministry. I have my sister live in person with me this time, not in another room across the way or whatever. We've been having too many technical difficulties to try to trip with it today, so right. we're just gonna we're just gonna do it face to face with right. you. Is yeah. that cool? Um, so with this episode, I'm excited because Erica has been ranting and raving about this book called "I'm Still Here" by Austin Channing Brown. Brown, Austin <laughs> Channing Brown. She has like two last names, I guess. Um, and she loves this book. Yeah. And what's the subtitle? Um, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this book, number one, Erica's so passionate about it. Two, she keeps talking about it. Three, she's married to a white man that we love and adore. Aww. Four, <laughs> With all of those variables in place, what are her thoughts? Why do you like this book? Why should I read it? Because I have not read it. I plan on reading it. Yeah. You know, you probably haven't read it. So I wanted to have this interview to say, what's the big deal? Yeah. Why are we reading this book? Yeah. Um, well, before we get into that, thanks for having me for the second time. Lenny is a ministry. Mm -hmm. And also, I just like to sort of frame conversations that I have about maybe hot, hot button topics. Um, and I just want to say that I'm approaching this from a place that, a position of, um, excuse me. Hello? I know. <laughs> words today are hard. Woo! I'm approaching this from a position that uh, white privilege is real mm -hmm. and racial um, tensions happen every day. There are racial things that happen in our country, in our society every day, and it's real. Racial, racial biases, I should say, yeah. specifically. So I, I understand that some people don't come from that place, and there might be people that are listening. You may know people that don't believe that white privilege is real, and they're like, what are you talking about? But I would just encourage people to um, check their empathy meter, and whenever you're having conversations with people that are not like you and have different experiences than you, then I really you know, encourage us all to just like take a step back and check in. Like, Don't be moved by fear. This is not a battlefield. This is conversations. I'm talking about my own personal experiences yeah. um, and things that I've seen and witnessed and then also what I enjoyed about um, Austin's words. So I just want to sort of framework the conversation before we get into it. Okay, cool. So first question's up. What do you enjoy most about the book? What are your favorite parts about the book? Um, well, it's just real and raw and Austin don't miss words. <laughs> okay. All right. So first off, <laughs> let me just read to you some of her... Um, title chapters first thing right off the gate white people are exhausting okay we're jumping in not no um no little like approaching we just going deep in right love that um ain't no friends here whiteness at work why i love being a black girl white fragility nice white people mm. creative anger the story we tell so right off the bat she just has me in the 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 catching of these chapters mm -hmm. And then I love her experience. So she talks a lot about growing up in a white, you know, not super rich, not super poor, but just like a middle America place. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we can say we sort of grew up in, yeah. where you're used to being one of uh, the only black people, if not the only black people. What's person. up, Jolie? What's up, hey? hey. Um, so I think I appreciate that. I, I saw myself, and sometimes in society, I don't see myself a lot. I think there's an upward trend of that, which I'm super grateful for. Mm -hmm. But I think in, in years gone by, it is not common for us to see ourselves 
in society. And right. so I saw myself in this book and I was immediately drawn to it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh. Yeah. Well, why don't you read like something that you liked, read a paragraph or something. Yeah. So one of the things that I really loved, um, give us an idea of what it's about. There's so many good things. Okay, I want to read this. She has all these notes and underlines I mean, in this book. You know, clearly I didn't like the book. You can't see it, but there's like notes yeah. upon notes upon notes. Um, so one in the, in the first chapter, white people are exhausting. <laughs> she just says it, y'all. Like wow. that. I just, I'm like, <laughs> but she just said it. But one thing I, I love, she says is, white people who expect me to be white have not yet realized that their cultural way of being is not, in fact, the result of goodness, righteousness, or God's blessing. Pushing back and resisting that lie is hella work. <laughs> On the margin, she wrote, hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's work to be the only person of color in an organization. Mm -hmm. And it was something we just alluded to. You know, oftentimes, our brother, white brothers and sisters, you might not know what it's like to walk into a room and realize, oh, there's no one else that looks like me. Yeah. And I think that she's bringing to light that very real thing that we go through all of the time. Yeah. So much so that I've personally just learned to ignore it. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I've literally just, I don't see color because I've taught myself not to see it because it's easier not to mm -hmm. see it. It's easier just to relate to just people and ignore culture and color because it just easier because if you if you paid attention to every microaggression and address every micro microaggression so there's macro and there's microaggression mm -hmm. if you address every microaggression that you come in, come up against every day you're not gonna get anywhere. you're not gonna you're not gonna make it right you're not going to make it let right. me help you because there's things people say or they look or just insinuated things and so I think it's a protective mechanism and yeah. I I think it's human um, but I love what she says um, bearing the weight of all your white coworkers' questions about blackness. Mm -hmm. It's work to always be hyper-visible because of your skin. Mm -hmm. I love that sentence, you guys, because just think about it. When we walk into a room, people see us immediately. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to say, I'm easily identified as being present or absent, but for your needs to be completely invisible to those around you. So on one hand, people can see you, but on the other hand, they don't quite know your needs. Mm -hmm. She kins it to this in another part of the book that I love. She's talking about when she went to university, went to school. She's talking about one of her university directors was saying, was giving some story and was talking about, yeah, you know how on the weekend you go to the lake and you, you know, ski or you snowboard over winter break or you go to your summer house. And she's like, uh, hello? I ain't got no summer house. But that just goes to show you the way sometimes people think is that they don't understand that other people have had other experiences. Yeah, or that their normal is normal. Right, right, right. And so anyway, going back to this being saying that our, um, our needs sometimes can be invisible. So mm -hmm. just the fact of being able to relate. Someone assuming, I love that, someone assuming that you can relate to that, maybe you can't. Like, I don't, I can't relate to that. Right. So what I love about having you talk about this book on this show is because, one, you're my sister. Two, you're black, obviously. <laughs> Three, um, <Well> pumping. <laughs> Three, you married a white man. Chose him. Yeah. And race is so important to you. So as a black woman who married a man... A, as a black woman who married, married a white man, <laughs> why is race so important to you? Or how do you view race in different culture in your personal place of life? 
Well, I think sort of like you said before, that whole sticking your head in the ground because it hurts too much to, mm -hmm. to see it or acknowledge it. And there are some brave and beautiful souls that have been on the front lines of recon racial reconciliation and fighting that fight for a while. Mm -hmm. But I think I personally got caught up in the, the land of just trying to make it. Right. And so not really seeing it, not really um, acknowledging it to ascent because I've always been one of the, you know, a minority mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. Yeah. So I think, you know, when Stefan and I started to date and we met, there was this real thing where he, as a foreigner, he's not from America. He doesn't understand our racial history. Case in point, it took me to see Selma, the movie about Martin Luther King Jr. for our first date. He didn't know. He didn't know, guys. And I'm like, bruh, are we doing this right now? I don't even know you like that. And I mean, it was just, but that's, oh he thought God. it was a horror film about a girl named Selma. Right. And that's because he's not from here and they don't have that same thing over there. So that's, uh -uh. so just giving you an idea of where he's coming from. So then mm -hmm. us coming together, he's coming over here and we're together and he's like, did you see that? Did you hear what that person said? Like, so he's bringing me up. And at first I was like rearing and I was like, brah, like, I don't, I'm not trying to feel that. I already right. done this. Right. I'm, you know, I'm about to be 30. I'm trying to like live my life. Right. But I, but I realized in reflection and, and I think the Holy Spirit just revealing that to me was that um, he was my safe white person, mm -hmm. you know, that someone that that my constant, my buddy, my pal that could help me reimagine what racial reconciliation could be like mm -hmm. with a white person and and letting me feel safe enough to have those dialogues and be honest. Mm -hmm. And he's he doesn't um, appropriate. He appreciates mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. And so he appreciates my black features like my bigger nose and my hair and he loves it and I think and it's not a joke to him there's no there's no um there's just nothing sneaky underneath it yeah. it's not uh critical it's just honest and so um yeah he's my safe white person to like reimagine what this could be with and I'm his safe black person he feels yeah. safe to ask me those questions and and to do that dive with me and we've had some really great conversations mm -hmm. um and I've told you this before he's Race has not been a huge thing for us in our person because he, um, it, it's not our, something that we struggle with as a couple. Let me, let me say that. We don't have a lot of arguments about racial things with each other. Mm -hmm. that we just get along. It's, our connection is past, it's deeper than race, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, we don't play those reindeer games <laughs> called I don't see karma. <laughs> guys that's a game oh it's a lie gosh. and jesus is not in that at all <laughs> because why do you say that because although he is an immigrant he's mm -hmm. from ireland he is a white heterosexual male so in the eyes of the united states he is at the top of the food chain sure and i am a, a black heterosexual female and i'm not at the top right you know what i'm saying i'm not going to pretend like i'm at the bottom but i ain't at the top right so it it it, it would behoove us i think that's i don't know if that's the right word Lord, yeah. you know but it, it it would not be wise for us to pretend like that those are not differences that we have to deal with right, right? in our marriage we're equals we're teammates we're partners but when we go in society we are not equal in the eyes of society mm -hmm. we are we aren't and so i think our our job that we've done and and are working on our one and a half years of marriage three years of dating knowing each other is to support each other mm -hmm. and help each other in those different environments. So when we're at home supporting each other, but also when we're out in society, like 
uh, I don't be driving in the south when we're doing road trips. I don't do it, y'all. <laughs> right. But right. he does. And so I think there is that, that honesty that you, you have to, color is color. So, I, you know, yeah, it, it, it's a lie Yeah, it, to the no color thing. So here's another perspective. Obviously, you're super passionate about this topic. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm not. I just don't feel it as deeply as you do. Mm -hmm. But I respect that because I feel like I'm learning a lot from you in addition to digesting my own perspectives and perceptions and why I have those and mm -hmm. this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, one reason why um, angry black people make me feel uncomfortable is because I have this other mind, this other mm -hmm. side of my brain that's like, but Jesus was a minority, but Jesus was also an immigrant, mm -hmm. and they murdered him, and they beat him, and they put him on a cross, and his response to the people that hurt him was way different than how mm -hmm. some of us as black people feel like we have to respond in order to get our message across. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but, and yet, but still, I don't want to negate the fact that I'm black or not even have black pride in the sense of my culture. And feel the feeling of the injustices that happen every day. Correct. So it's like, it's like this battle between, listen, it's like this battle between ignoring accepting and then understanding like ignore it's almost like I like those words in my mind it's almost like you have to like i'm not saying this is right or wrong just here conversation, conversation conversation it's almost like i have to ignore at times how people feel and how they respond in order to accept what i've seen jesus do but i don't think that that's right or right or wrong either i'm not you know what i'm saying like that's just my own process and like well, you know I have an opinion. Well, yeah, that's why I wanted. That's why I wanted to show. <laughs> and and I know that your opinion isn't right. It's not like law. You yeah, know what I mean? This, this is, is just. It's just what it is. Well, so, here's where I come out. Yeah, it's that. Say it's what you like think. Jesus. He he flipped the tables over. He he did. He that. called someone a white snake. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. And I think that Christians a lot of times we are afraid of the. The emotion of anger. Mm -hmm. um, I would agree with that. But then you don't—you're not like a Christian, right? You're not—you haven't really received the joy of the Lord. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? That's a lie, and Jesus is not in it, right? Um, so I, I don't think it's, a, it's an either or. I think it's a yes and. Also, we're not Jesus. I was not called to die on the cross. So mm -hmm. the so I think the idea that I had that I in some way am going to be living the, a perfect life like Jesus was is false. Yes, he lives in me and, and in that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm living and breathing and, and acting in a way that I believe um, is right. But also, I'm not going to be perfect. I am going to, I do feel things. And I think Jesus, he did stick up for the orphan and the widow and the poor. Yeah. And who are the orphaned and the widowed and the poor in America? Right. Most often, it's black and brown bodies. Yeah. Minorities. It's minorities. Now, now hear me, my white brothers and sisters. Okay. <laughs> there are white friend, people that are orphaned and widowed and poor. For yes. Sure. But For if sure. you look at the totality of the United States of America, the majority, the majority of those that are incarcerated, that are orphaned, that are that are poor, that are in poverty, are black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there has to be acknowledgement of that. And something that we've talk, we talked about earlier a little bit was 
I think sometimes we try to meld the uh, American history with a Christian mm. history. Mm. I think that we those two lines have become blurred in the Christian faith, and that is not, that's not true. Mm. Because honestly, I'm gonna say something that might rough your feathers up. Get ready, <laughs> get your tissues out. Um, but I don't think that. Um, uh, that the United States was necessarily uh, founded upon Christian values. Explain that. So, you know, is it Christian to kill indigenous people and take their land? Is it Christian mm -hmm. to take people from their homeland, put them on ships, they have no way of getting off, there's not good food, good water, they're sitting their own sewage, essentially, mm -hmm. bring them to the land and build build this nation on the backs of their bodies. Is mm -hmm. that Christian? Is that Jesus? Is that mm -hmm. godly? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying the people that started the country didn't have faith. Right. You know, I'm not trying to come at that, but I, I don't know that we can just blanket that and say, this was founded on Christian principles and mm -hmm. we are a Christian nation because I have not seen the love of Jesus. And I think a lot of times, now here's where it gets twisted, is that people have used the name of Jesus to perpetuate ideas and false ideologies and also um, bring about a lot of harmful policies, a lot of harmful actions. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys, they hung black bodies from, from trees and, and white families came and took pictures in front of the trees to send us postcards. Sorry we missed you at the barbecue. That's this crazy. is real. Wow. And she mentions this in her book, Austin. Wow. This is real. And so I think... Um, let us not pretend like, you know, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. It yeah. is this. These are the facts. Yeah. You know, I'm still mad, mad about hidden figures. Right. You know what I'm saying? How do we not learn about that in our history books? Right. It's about black women sending men to the moon. Like, right. how, do we, how do we miss that? And I love, I love that thought of meshing Americanism. Yeah. If with, that's a word. Yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Like, because as American Christians, we see it as one. But if you look do. at people who are Christians in other countries, it's not Americanized. Yeah, like, yeah. there's yeah. Americanized Christianity yes. instead of just Christianity. And it's so you know dangerous because I mean? it's so like this that you have to like do the dirty yeah. work of like parsing that. Yeah. Yes. Of undoing and it. And it's hard. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. super hard work. Mm -hmm. um, uncomfortable work. Yeah. But it has to be done. I told uh, a friend of mine at church the other day. I was like, you know, this whole conversation of um, immigration that's happening right now. I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Not like, I'm not going to say like 10 years, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the next 50 to 100 years, if Americans were the immigrants and if the tables were turned and we had to flee America and we became the immigrants, what we would be experiencing help us all. is so radically different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and that's where that, that, um, up in your empathy meter mm -hmm. steps into play. Yeah, we we have to step into other people's shoes. Really. Yeah. In our minds, we like to think we are like that's oh, empathetic. Only, it's like, yeah, but that's the, but, go ahead. I, no, to, to say I was that. like, putting ourselves in other people's shoes is truthfully the only way we can treat them 
the right way. Yeah. You know it's what the I mean? Way. Like the the way that God would want us to treat them. Because otherwise, you're coming at it through a, a judgmental lens. It's always filtered. it's always fil- it's always gonna it's be filtered, filtered until you. And sometimes that happens in real life. And sometimes if 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 hopefully you're wise enough and emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent enough to actually put yourself there with actually have to be there. Right. Like I pray that people are receptive to people that are immigrating without actually having to flee themselves. Yeah. I hope I pray that people are receptive to the mothers and babies being ripped apart without them actually having to be ripped apart right. from their children. Right. You know? That's that's why the scripture says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Before right. it happens to you, exactly. do as unto right. them. Jesus be a witness. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I know. Really good thoughts. Yeah. Very so good that's, thoughts. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Um, I, I love that. And moving on. So with all that you've learned from this book, again, it's yeah. I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. She has two yeah. last names, supposedly. She's amazing. Austin, if you ever watch this and you come to uh, Phoenix, I'm going to be so excited because we just, we moved from Chicago, my husband and I, and you did something in Chicago right after we moved. And I was like, oh, I love everyone that. said it was amazing. I'll be. Anyway, yeah. continue. Sorry, I had to put that um, in there. I forgot what I was going to say. You were going to say uh, her book. I think you were going to ask like, what was Oh, yeah, there? yeah, yeah. So with all that you've learned from the book, <laughs> Bluetooth, as says, um, with all that you've learned from the book and also just everything you're learning about culture and respecting race your race, all races, what do you hope that people of all races would just understand? Yeah. So I think I would hope for my white brothers and sisters, because I have a lot of white friends. I'm married to a white man. I, yeah. You know, I, there's you no, love, you yeah, love, love white people. people. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds weird to say, but you do. But I think I would, I would challenge them to step into their empathy, mm-hmm. to up their empathy game and really, um, and 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 just and to step out of fear, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times the conversation is the conversation is met with fear because they people believe that if you have more than I have less, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that to be true at all. Wow. And so I think that that whether they're acknowledging it or not, mm-hmm. it comes from a place of you have more, I have less. Well, if you get that, then I and that's and that's that's perpetuated by the media and mm-hmm. social and all that kind of stuff. But I would I would just. Uh, encourage you, challenge you, ask you sincerely to just step into empathy and really try to imagine people that are not like you. Get some friends that are not like you and not just the token black friend. Like actually, you be the minority. Go to a place where you're the minority and see how that feels. Mm -hmm. Really sit in that because it's uncomfortable, guys. It really is to hold that weight and and, and you will catch a glimpse of what black and brown people go through all the time. Sure. That's really good. Yeah, and for my black and brown Friends, compadres, <laughs> people. <laughs> um, I would just say again, turn that empathy backwards to them. You know, people that don't know your struggle. I think it, it can be, it can be hard, mm-hmm. but also to not be afraid of anger and sadness. Uh, one of my favorites, um, Sister Glennon. Sister Glennon. Oh, Glennon. Um, she always says there is no rising without the fall. There mm-hmm. is no resurrection without the crucifixion. Yeah. So there, there is no high top, no joy without the pain. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to sit in the pain of what was done to our ancestors. Ancestors, and I believe that stuff tra- travels down. So you yeah. might be feeling anger or hurt um, that you're like, well, oh, how, why is this? I don't know where this comes from. Yeah. I would say just really lean into that, lean into that a little bit, yeah. and get to know that, and not be afraid of it. Yeah. And read Austin's book. I love this. I want to give a few shout outs. Emily, what's up? Lindsay, the Faith Beast. Tiff, Tiff T. Mess 2. 
Hi. Kiera. Kiera, what's up? Joey, Jeremiah, Frida, Danny, Stephanie, Dan, Geracy. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Everyone, read this book. It's it's a book. I cried through it, but it was a good cry. It's like yeah. really good to just be face faced with what what is and what isn't, and to yeah. hear someone's story and for me to identify with it, and it's helped me along my journey. Of and racial. Tell people because you and Stefan have started um, a series of episodes on IGTV about yeah. your marriage, interracial marriage, and relationship. So how can they stay in touch with you guys and follow you as you're sharing different things you're learning in your process? Well, <laughs> I'm Erica B. Byrne, E-R-I-C-K-A-B Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E. Um, at Erica B. Byrne. Those are my symbols for Instagram, for Facebook, Twitter. So follow me on that. Um, we, on my IGTV, Stefan, my husband, Stefan Byrne, he is um, that, that Irish guy 92. Uh, we are doing some videos just about our relationship, how we met, things that people ask interracial couples typically. If you have questions or comments or want us to talk about something, please direct message me. I would love that. Stefan's got some YouTube stuff he's going up with football. He loves it, aka mm -hmm. soccer. And yeah, I'm writing, dancing, always staying creative with this one. So follow our journey. Yes. Cool. That's it. Well, thanks for joining us, Erica, Millennials in Ministry, You're live welcome. and in person. I know. Not so split screen this time. Technical difficulties, folks. Wet ass. All right, until Instagram, next time. We still love you. We still love you, Instagram. All right, until next time, guys. See you later. Bye.